Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome in to Take Command. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. And Logan, we've uh, we've taken a deep dive into the tape. Uh, we will get to the defensive side of things coming up in a little bit. But this is going to be a long, long first, uh, first chunk of the pod because we are going to dive into each and every one of the nine sacks. People want answers. Uh, we did a shorter version of this on the radio, but uh, we're actually going to dive in literally to all nine plays, and then uh, we can try to draw some conclusions by the end. Sound good to you? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. All right. So, uh, sack number one. Uh, it comes Numero on third, uno. N- num- number one comes on third and five from the Washington 45-yard line. Uh, just a minute into the game, uh, it's their first third down. Ultimately, they will go four and out because they did – don't don't forget, Logan. They got a first down on the very first play of the game. A little end around mm-hmm. action, Curtis Samuel, uh, and that and that that's kind of the end of the good stuff. Uh, so they run a mesh concept here. We think someone runs the wrong route, which is obviously contributing to Carson not to have anywhere to throw. I'm also curious uh, Carson's drop back here if he steps back a little bit too deep. But as you ultimately watch this play uh, that ends in sack number one, what'd you think of it? Yeah, so I think there's a couple things going on here. One is obviously, I think, like I said, I think there's someone running the wrong route, which again affects the, affects the distribution. The way they coach mesh, I think, is interesting. Like, um, you know, with Kyle near the later end of my time with him, like he said, if there's a guy that's the hook player who's like basically a linebacker or a nickel is matching the guy crossing the ball coming across, and you see that push through that zone if you're relatively confident. It's not right. So you're taking that guy with you. You clear out yeah, to, just to add some space, right? So I think that's one thing, again, like that's a stylistic difference. That's something that I, I liked as I got later in my career. I thought it added, right? Clear some space, run the right route. So there's two things right there. Then if you look at the rush one, I think Joshua has an excellent rush. I think he does a really nice job, you know, just from a pass r- rushing standpoint of setting his angle at the tackle to make the tackle think bull. The tackle sets his feet, Leno, and um, he hits he hits him like he's going to bull. And then he does a really nice job of kind of grabbing Leno's left shoulder pad and pulling himself through. It's a really slick rush and something we've come to expect from Josh Sweat because that's kind of the pass rusher he is. Expect him to have a very productive year. But that's not the thing I don't think that gets a sack because Leno's able to recover a little bit and Carson does step up. And I think the thing that is ultimately detrimental on the rush is Fletcher Cox pulling back the guard and center, right? Kind of getting penetration there because there really is no space for him to step up. So on this first play, Someone may have run the wrong route. Obviously, stylistically, I have some disagreements about how they run this concept. Their pressure from the outside is awesome. Really nice rush by him. 
Great push by Fletcher Cox. All of those things kind of coming together. And then I think maybe the most important element is the back gets caught up on the release, right? The, black, mm. the back ends up trying to get through the A-gap. He hits Hargrave, and he's not out. Because even if all that stuff is wrong, Carson could get it to the back right now. And if you look like, like we've talked about this before, like Tom Brady's one of the best ever to do it. And he's excellent at that. Like there's that clip of him on Instagram or online, YouTube, where he's like, hey, man, run the flat as he's in the drop back because he knows the blitz, he knows the coverage, he knows where the ball's got to go. And so I think even just having that guy in the flat as an outlet would allow Carson to get the ball out. So I think all of those things kind of, again, there's not one element here that says wrong. Could Leno be better, right? Could Jahan run the right route? Yep. You know, could the protection by the guard be better? All those things are yes. And one of them by themselves is probably not fatal to this play, but all of them together are fatal. And that's when, that's why this, this sack happens, in my opinion. Yeah, and by the way, that back is Curtis Samuel. Um, he had been lined up at back there, so like he's not there to block anyway. You're not you're not putting Curtis Samuel in the backfield for pass pro. He's there to get out and become an outlet and and hopefully be in space, make someone miss on a third and five. He catches a three yard pass. I like my chances of Curtis Samuel finding a way to get those extra two yards and picking that, up that first down. That's actually a really good observation by you. I didn't notice that the first time I watched it, and this is one of the the best. It took about number eleven for me, so uh, don't feel having bad. more eyes on the play. But if if he is in the backfield, there is a screen that Kyle used to call Cherokee where. Everybody runs across this is what you're getting here. And then the back leaks out because you're hoping that everyone matches the crossers and the back kind of sneaks out to the flat. It ends up playing like a pseudo screen. So seeing that, I think maybe that's what the play was because you're you, like you said, Curtis isn't back there for pass protection. So maybe the route's not wrong, but if that's the case, the back needs to get a better release and get to the yeah. flat and give Carson a spot to go with the football. So I think that, again, that back getting caught up there is a huge deal in, in terms of the efficacy of the play. Maybe someone didn't run the wrong route, but that jam up there is a big deal. If it is that second concept, we assumed it was mesh. If it's not mesh and it's this other kind of screen version of mesh, then that's a huge deal for that. Yeah. All right. So, yay. Point for me for a new discovery. We've only Great watched discovery. that play combined about 30 times. All right. True. Uh, now, first and 10 from the Washington 20 on their second drive, 10:41 remaining in the first quarter. Uh, you got you got a couple tight ends in the game. You got two receivers split out to the right. You got a back in the backfield. Logan, what happens here where Carson Wentz winds up again on his back? So again, like I think when you look at this, like this this formation in my mind has become kind of the shot, you know, shot personnel grouping for this team, and it's smart, right? Because you get base on the field. They don't bring as many coverage players out. It's good, sound football, right? And you get guys to be sticky versus runs. But you tell me here, you're watching this play like I am right now. Watch Fletcher Cox. Is there anything about him in this rush that says, that I think this is a run? Like, he is bull rushing to rush the passer here all the way. So I think that's no, honest. And in fact, there's a play action fake to Antonio Gibson, who then runs right past Fletcher Cox. And Fletcher does not react at all. Correct. And so he's thinking pass. And I think this is just what you get when you get a nice veteran group of pass rushers. He's... They understand, like they're not to the side of the tight end, right? So that isn't really away from the tight end double team. I think Trey Turner's probably a little soft here with this set, right? Could maybe be a little bit more aggressive, but I also think great job by Fletcher, just understanding the situation, what this team likes to do, and taking advantage of that tell and taking advantage of a soft kind of run set by Turner. Again, not fatal though. Turner's able to survive the down. What I do think here is if you look at the coverage, Everyone's covered, right? They're running kind of like a big blaze out on the outside, so like a 15-yard out by Jahan or Terry. I, forget, I can't see who that is. Uh, it doesn't matter. Down over the ball. So I think they did a good job, Philly, of covering that concept. 
To me, again, the ball's got to get to the bat now. Get the ball out of your hand. It's dead. You can tell it's dead. Get the ball out of your hand. Gibson gets caught up a little bit, but I think if, if you pause it kind of right before the sack happens, I think you can get He's that got ball time. to Gibson. You can get that ball to Gibson, and then Gibson has some space to run. Now, is it going to be a huge play? No, but is it going to be third or second and five? Probably, you know, with Gibson and all that kind of space, I think he's gonna, um, I think he's gonna make gonna make a nice play there. Yeah, the other thing that I see on this play too is on that that side where the tight ends are. Sorry, the strong side of the formation, they kind of faint a blitz, uh, and so where you may have been able to slide over, provide a little extra help. The Eagles against what a six seven man protection wind up rushing forward and getting pressure, yeah. and they do that because you wind up with. I think you're. I think it's your. I'd have to watch it for the eighth time now. Uh, maybe tenth, twelfth. I don't know. Uh, but you wind up with definitely both those tight ends, and I think your left tackle all blocking nobody. They're all oh, just they're standing all... there, being like, "Up, up! Is he coming? Is he? Oh, he's not coming. Now I'm just standing here like a big old goober." And you, that's two of your eligibles who are not in the pattern, and Correct. they're not doing anything. And so you get three guys on one guy essentially is what happens, and then you get nice one on one, which essentially is what you want if you're Philly. You want a one-on-one on the right guard on Turner, Fletcher Cox on Turner, and you get a one-on-one with Hassan Reddick on Cosme, which is good exactly defensive play calling. It's good. It's what you want. And they fall into this a little bit, but also I think understanding this team's tells and what they want to be on first down and this after a first down, especially, I think I would guess, I haven't gone back and looked at it, but I would guess they have a very high tendency to take a shot out of this, this personnel grouping in this situation. And I think that shows up here. And again, the pressure is really good by Fletcher, but I do think if I'm Carson, if I'm Scott Turner, I'm just saying, hey, man, like live to play another down. You feel that pressure. Let's get the ball. Even if you turf it to the back, that's better than taking a sack here. Definitely. All right. Sack number three, second and 16 from the Washington 14. It's their second drive, 959 remaining, uh, which I believe means this is literally the next play. Uh, so they, yeah. they try to run dagger here and uh, it doesn't work. Yeah, it's dagger or horn, something like that. And it's subtle distinction, but basically it's a three-by-one instead of a two-by-two. doesn't really matter. I think there might be some type of mistake here because you get Terry by himself down here on the bottom of the screen. And usually I would think the back, that looks like a spot concept to me where the back would be releasing to that side. Does that make sense what I'm saying, Craig? Like the back doesn't usually release to the side of the dagger. He usually releases to the side of the spot. So this is an empty protection. So it's a five-man protection. And the back would come to the same side as Terry, which is on the right side, left offensive left, and basically create horizontal stretch so that it would open up this window for Terry. Because if you look at Terry right now, he's wide open, and this ball probably should be out. I understand. I mean, why. if I screenshotted where I've paused this, where I am watching it, you would be yeah. like, you, there, "This is a completion." Carson is in his throwing motion. Terry is wide open. That ball is going to be there in 0.5 seconds, and it's going to be. You know, if Terry slips a tackle, like it could be a big game, but it's it's gonna at least be a five six yard gain to get you in a third and more manageable situation. There is no way with where I have paused my screen right now that this should not be a completion. And I will say this: like Slay makes an excellent break on this ball, but I don't think he's gonna make an interception here. You know what I mean? Like I think at the worst, it's an incomplete pass, which is okay. It's okay on second and sixteen. It's not ideal, but you prefer that over a sack, right? And so it looks like the back might be going the wrong way. Don't know that for sure. I'm just kind of based on what I'm seeing here. Like there looks like they're running dagger in a spot to the one side. The spot would kind of keep this, the, um, the corners width to that side, or, you know, if no one matches the back, you throw it to the back. So kind of a right. weird deal there. And then I think, again, you get a really nice rush by Hargrave on the inside power. And then the transitions, every transition off the power move here is great. 
like this kind of pseudo hump move, lifting up Norwell's inside hand and getting, getting penetration on the quarterback. Really nice job. But I do think I agree with you. At a minimum, based on this picture, if this is the side of the field you're reading, that ball needs to be at least out and trust Terry to make a play for a five-yard gain or knock the ball down and live to play another day. But for you to pump fake this so violently hard and just eat this sack, I, I, again, I'm not in the room, but I don't, I don't get that. Yeah, and you know maybe Slay is not where he anticipates because the back release is wrong. Like that would yeah. seem to make a lot of sense. I don't know. It is. It's. It's a weird. It's a weird one on Carson to to. And I would love to know what happened in his head to make him ultimately pull that down. Um, perhaps he'll get asked when he goes to the podium on Wednesday. All right, sack number four. But also, f- again, again, yeah. this sorry to cut you off, but on all three of these, the rush is like this. These are good rushes now. Like, that, don't, yeah, don't 100%. get me wrong. These are good rushes, but well, I guess what we're saying is like, could this be helped by Carson getting rid of the ball? Absolutely. And like, we've had two plays now where the route concept is somewhat questionable. I think you're right on the first one. I don't think it's mesh anymore, but this one, maybe the back's going the wrong way. Again, those things can can confound, right? But again, I think on all of them, you know, outside the first one where the back gets chipped so badly that he can't get into the route, I think Carson could at least get the ball out of his hand to the back or to a spot and not take a sack. Yeah. And it's not easy. It's not easy, but I do think that that's No, and, and it's not like the O-line is giving him a ton of time. But right. he has had timing to make the throw that's supposed to be there. And at that point, like, and the hierarchy of blame, if you will, in our blame pie, Carson gets the biggest slice. Uh, that yep. doesn't mean that it's not 51% and the O-line's 49. Like you could, if, if your guy's got three seconds, he's got time to throw, but it'd be really nice if he had five. Um, and that's right. kind of the land that you're, you're living in right now. All right, sack number four. Third and five from the Washington 47. This is on their third drive. 355 remaining in the first quarter. You got a little motion here. You're trying to mix it up, uh, but ultimately the result is the same. This one is definitely mesh, Logan on third and five. So it's literally the same situation as, as the first one. Oh yeah. This one's for sure. Mesh hundred percent mesh here. And you can see why they're confounding here. But uh, again, with the back releasing here, maybe it changes your mind on the first one. And again, okay. This is a, one of been one of my pet peeves for a long time with this team. Third and middle distance versus teams that run a lot of zone. They really like to run mesh. Right. And I think when you look at this clip, Philly knows that because they match this pretty dang good. There's not a lot of spots to go with the football here. You say maybe you take a shot to the back on a back shoulder here, but that's not a high percentage throw. No. Maybe you launch the ball deep to Curtis, which, again, not given the concept, given the down distance, that doesn't seem right. Um, so, again, I, I, I think this is, again, a tendency by the coordinator. I don't know that for sure, but that's just kind of like my – I don't have any analytics to support that. That's just like I feel like they like mesh in these situations quite a bit. And mesh is a great play. Philadelphia with Zach Ertz – made hay on mesh for years so uh, there's nothing wrong with calling mesh a lot but you can tell philly's like we've seen mesh we know you run mesh let's match mesh really well right And i think that's part of it maybe the ball gets to logan thomas but again not in the rhythm and timing of the throw so he takes his drop one two three four hitch that ball's got to be out right now and there's nobody there's nobody nobody open Nobody so available. here's here's what is open though, and this isn't this is an interesting side conversation. Um, and I I don't know this is like a blame thing; it's just a reality thing. Because if this happens to Philadelphia, what happens is Jalen Hurts runs out of an open gap uh, as the offensive line, like the the let's see, uh, offensive right, defensive left, 
that end gets pretty far up the field. There is a lane there to run and get out if as soon as he realizes it's dead, he gets out. Now, Carson doesn't really like to run anymore. He he reluctantly ran a couple times later in this game, uh, but Carson, as a younger player, ran a lot. If it's Jalen, where he's like, running's a, a weapon for me, he is out. And I don't know if he gets the first down, if it's Hurts, probably. If it's Wentz, you know, you give yourself a chance. Maybe a defender comes up and Jahan keeps running across the field and there's a chance for a throw there. But if you're going to say, like, what could Carson have done here, that would be my best shot at an answer. But I'm not going to criticize him for being something he's not. But it is why so many teams like having mobile quarterbacks now. When plays die, especially on third down, having the threat of someone who can do it with your legs. And it does again, it doesn't have to be Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts even. I think Kirk Cousins runs on this. I think yeah. a lot of quarterbacks that are like, pretty average NFL athletes, like some, you know, obviously like Tom Brady's not, but Aaron Rodgers runs on this. And I think they have that feel in the pocket, get out and either give themselves a chance with an extended play or pick it up with their legs. And I do wonder if that's something they need to talk to Carson about and be like, Hey buddy, I know post knee surgery, you don't love to run, but we need to get you out a little bit more because just standing back there is a sitting duck and hoping that someone eventually comes open. You know, that's how you got sacked nine times the other day. Yeah, I think that's right. And also, like, again, maybe, like, just the, the coverage here is crazy. But ball's got to get out of his hands. I do see what you're saying. And, like, guys don't rush like that versus Jalen Hurts because they know he runs. So there's going to be more of these looks for guys like Carson. But I agree. At a bare minimum, just, again, there's so much push in the pocket. And I think he knows. You can see he's antsy. He knows the ball's got to get out. I don't know about the running thing. Like, I'm a little on the fence about that, coaching a guy who doesn't run to do that. But, well, that, um, and that's why I say, like, it's hard to blame him for not being him. But it, like, when right. you see it, you're like, oh man, that would be that would be cool if he could. Yeah. But you can't blame him for not for for being someone or for not being someone that he's not. And I get that. And so, so again, yeah. So again, I think the concept here, the the rush again is great. Like, holy cow, like great rushes all around. I think uh, San Reddick on the outside does a nice job uh, on Cosme in terms of like winning that outside shoulder, which is something as a rusher you're always trying to coach. Cosme does widen the pocket. I think the thing that really leads to the sack is I don't think I really felt like in the game they weren't ready for the power of Philadelphia's rush, right? Brandon Graham as a bull rusher is made a career off of that. And you could just tell they weren't they weren't quite stout enough. Hargrave Bull, Fletcher Cox Bull, that's three bull rushes. Brandon Graham gets Cosme later in the game off of two bulls in a row. Like they just, I felt like they weren't ready. And against finesse rushers so far this season, they seem to have done a nice job. Like Cosme against Trayvon Walker week one when he gave up that sack. That's because Trayvon Walker is just a powerful man, right? So it'll be interesting to see if if they change their pass protection approach um, at all with regards to this. But again, like yeah, you got to give credit. Like this rush by Brandon Graham, this bull here, it's not perfect, but it's enough. And I think it in conjunction with the concept and how the concept's blanketed, like it makes it good. And so to me, like, that's what I'm saying is like, this is the, I don't want to sound overly critical here of, of, of Scott. Cause I, this is a good concept, but if this is, we run a, a version of mesh two plays in a row, right? Like maybe we try, what, what else do we have in the bag that we like versus zone? That's something I would, again, I would think about here because this is pretty stagnant looking to me in terms of yeah. how they're covering this. Yeah, I, I think you got to there's a really fine balance in the NFL between doing the things that you like and you're good at and being you and being unpredictable enough that this doesn't happen. And right. they've fallen or they fell Sunday at the very least 
into the wrong side of that. We'll see if they can get it corrected. Um, Scott's a smart guy and and obviously has shown the ability to to mix things up uh, in in other parts of the season and at times in previous years as well, in, in both here and in Carolina. All right, sack number five, second and six from the Washington 29. Fourth drive, there's 13.03 remaining in the second quarter. Uh, some deeper developing stuff here, Logan, and they ultimately don't have the the time to get to it. Right. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So this one is actually, this is a concept that they, they like. It's like this scissors concept down here on the bottom. They ran this versus uh, scissors and drive is what I call it. And basically like Terry, or I don't, I can't see who this is. Terry, somebody comes hoping on this play. Yeah, and I believe I think, it's Terry. And I, when I look at this, I think Carson, I, if I'm being insanely critical as a coach i'm like when you get to your fifth step just trust it and throw it i think that's unrealistic quite frankly because you want to see what that flat defender is doing again they run scissors they run the scissors concept a little differently usually you have some type of flat defender holding coverage so you it declares more quickly they run the flat defender from the far side of the field so he comes into the vision super late of the quarterback right and he doesn't affect the defense the same way a guy running a flat does who's on the same side of the formation. You get what I'm saying, Craig? Can you visualize what I'm saying? So you got so a you're corner. saying, you're yeah, saying the, the, when you said, I think you may have substituted the word defender in a place where you meant uh, the guy coming out. So you're saying like the back comes from the opposite side of the formation. So the flat defender doesn't get affected quite as quickly as if he had been right. like a tight end who just goes straight to the flat. Or even if he's right. a back on the same side comes out because he kind of comes out through the middle and then runs to the flat. 100%. That's exactly what I'm saying. Gotcha. So again, it declares a little late. But I think based on Slay's reaction or how nosy he is, if I'm if I'm the coach, I'm like, this is exactly what I want for this concept. Because even with the defender coming from the far side, Slay's getting real nosy. That ball's got to be out. And again, I say that, but there is – Brandon Graham is in Carson's lap. The guard is in Carson's lap. There is no pocket to speak of here. So concept good, right? Excellent concept. Really like the play call. A lot of people open here right? This is one where I think the offensive line is almost exclusively at fault. Like, like if you look at this and say, where, where does the ball like on his, okay. So he gets to the top of his drop eh, foot down and he's ready to throw. And Brandon Graham is reaching his hand for the football as he's cocking back to throw. He has to pull it back to his body. And I think this, this one is on the O line. I think just watching it. So this is so bang, bang. It's really hard for me to tell. The one thing that I would ask you, and I this is a pure question, is what if his feet are set in the right direction? Because his feet, yeah, and I understand he's trying to hold coverage, he's definitely like his body is looking left and yes. all the action is to the right. Like the concept that he's trying to hit on that deeper ball is to the right. And that's probably part of the reason it's very open. Like even Slay's body language is like, oh, I'm on the dead side of the field. And then if he's able to turn and open, he fires that thing right over Slay's head. It's a 25-yard gain, if not more, to Terry on that that out route. Um, maybe it's bench, maybe it's out. You can tell me which yeah. which one it is. Um, but he also, on that fifth step, is able to probably hit, uh, I think it's Logan uh, as the tight end, Logan Thomas as the tight end, who oh, part of the yeah. reason he's getting out late is because he chips. And so he's super late, but he's also wide open because Slay has, has left him a ton of space. And I think if he's facing the right direction, like if his feet are set on that fifth step, he can probably get that out before Graham swipes, but he's kind of got to reset his feet. But you tell me, like, and, and I would be curious to know the coaching points on it, is that his job to hold that coverage looking left 
and then he's supposed to have time to come back right, and and then you get the big play? Or is is that the mistake that Carson makes? Is that a mistake at all that Carson makes on that play? So I don't know. I don't know what they're being coached. All I know is Carson's had a lot of success kind of keeping his his body square, his eyes down the middle yeah. of the field, and then switching late with the football, or switching late with his shoulders. And again, like it's pretty tight here in the pocket. So he steps up totally. And I, and I thought maybe he can get the ball out, but again, Wes has given up a little bit of pressure. Wes is pretty good here, but it's because Carson's running up as opposed to stepping up. I'm not sure. And again, his eyes are off the field. Again, Armani's open. Slay's breaking on that football. If you look at yeah, it, I guess it's our, it's Armani, not, not, uh, yeah. So again, to me, this is, this is O-line like the quarterback can't operate. I think, I think maybe Carson again, like Graham just has a great rush here. Great. You see the power here of his rush, the transition. And I think Hargrave really makes this pressure and Graham finishes it. Like this is a good pressure. This is good by this group. And again, the concept dictates, I can't get the ball out of my hand too quick. You get the chip, right. That slows that guy down coming into his vision. Cause maybe like if you, if you pause it a little bit earlier, right. If you kind of get right when he gets to the top of his drop, he can feel that rush. And totally. if Armani's a little bit ahead, right in that next window, I think the ball's out, and I think he gets a, gets a completion there. Armani's going to take a big hit, but at least the ball's out. And that just is, I think, again, I like the concept guys are open, but, again, getting the ball out of your hands, especially when the O-line's having a hard time protecting, because this is a great example of an offensive line having a hard time in pass protection right here. Totally. This is a great example. So the definite mistake Carson makes here is ball security. Um, he's yeah. got, like, there's, it's a weird knockout from Graham. He kind of comes from behind and pops it up underneath. So, you know, Carson might have been squeezing the ball down or squeezing the ball however he was, and, and it just was more vulnerable because you never ex- expect to get swiped from that. I will say, though, again, like, going back to what I was saying on the last play, too, if he just commits to running up the middle here, like, if he just takes off after he steps up, it, it might be a three-yard gain and he slides down. But he tries to just keep this play alive in a funky way and steps back into Graham. Like, there's a seven-yard gap between defenders slash linemen when he steps up in the pocket if you watch from the end zone angle. Like, this is one where I'm like, hey, man, just field awareness, all that kind of stuff. Let's just let's, – let's get forward. Let's make sure that, that nothing crazy happens. And it goes to the decision-making and field awareness element for Carson uh, as opposed to, like, and, and and that's the kind of thing that's killed him in the past, right? With ball security is putting himself in spots where this kind of thing can happen. Like you got to just kind of be aware of where everyone is and like what options are available, not try to keep a play alive to make a home run, whatever, just take the three yard scramble, get down and live to see another down instead of extending the play to the point that you get the ball knocked out. Yeah, I think that's the main crux of that, right? Just protect the football there. You know, you still yeah. have a third down. It'd probably be third and nine, third and ten. And like you said, even if you just kind of burrow forward there for a yard, even if it's a yard, that's five. That's third and five, you know, and which is – that's fine. You can execute there. That's good stuff. So I agree. I think grid rushes by Philly. I like the concept. I like the call. It can't protect it. That's fine. Don't make a bad play worse um, if you're Carson there and hold on to that football. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, uh, sack number six. And by the way, like I know this is a lot of detail in a bunch of plays, and um, I'll recommend uh, for those that don't have NFL Game Pass or don't want to go through, um, our buddy Mark Bullock did a really nice job on a lot of this stuff as well, and he actually pulled all of these plays, which is where I'm watching it. So I will shout out Mark and give him credit where it's due here. If you want to be able to watch along, um, you can subscribe to Mark Substack and then uh, be able to, to watch these because he, he's cut them all. Uh, so sack number six is third and 10 from the Washington 20. Uh, it's the sixth drive of the game, 634 remaining in the second quarter. Uh, similar concept that we've already talked about. Uh, this is dagger again. They get to it off of motion. They motion into a kind of a bunch formation. Um, but it's third and 10, and, and he, Scott likes da- – just like he likes mesh on third and middle, he likes dagger on third and long, which I get. It, it's one of the better ones you can go to there, but it seems like Philly sits on it again. And so again, this is uh, su- this is dagger, hundred percent. I call it super dagger because you get two clears as opposed to a clear and a sit, which is like what you'd call like more conventional dagger. Anyway, um, and I think the thing about this, this is the same play that uh, Diami caught a touchdown on, or not a touchdown, but caught the big play in the preseason against Detroit, where he's kind of mm-hmm. coming across the middle of the field. And it's cool if you watch um, Jahan here because there's a lot of grass over here to the right, offensive right, and I think that ultimately is where I think the only spot here, the ball can go, you know, they match the dagger excellently. Right. And then that's, that's the only spot. And I think if you, if you're, if I'm Scott and I'm kind of saying, this is where we got to make a play, like put the ball out there with some space and let Jahan run to it. Right. Uh, But again, that's a tough throw. That's a tough throw. And there's not a lot of time in this pocket, which I think is the other thing that is, is tough, right? They get a great job, great rush by Hassan Reddick getting to the edge here. Carson does a nice job stepping up. I think you got to climb a little bit faster here is what all I would say is there's kind of like a lackadaisical-ness to how he climbs the pocket. Like you feel this rush, you feel these edges, step up hard and then get the ball out of your hand. Whether it's to the back, if you don't like that, Jahan coming across the formation there, get the ball to the back. And again, like you got a really good space player in McKissick, one-on-one with a linebacker who could probably make a play here, right? I think that's something that sticks out to me here is climb the pocket a little bit quicker, get the ball out of your hand and Again, his arm gets batted. That's tough duty. That's tough duty. Tough but duty. also, like, if he throws this ball to McKissick on the cut, it's a first down. I don't think that linebacker closes that space in time. JD's got him. He's got a step. He's got the angle. And so when you talk about the anticipation and kind of being comfortable, like, he hitches after the cut. And JD's three or four steps into, it's like an angle route. Um, I don't know whether it's choice and, and maybe he wants to see where JD's going or whether it's just, like, it's a called angle route on this, but... If he hitches after after JD makes that cut, and and if he throws it to him right as he comes out, JD's looking catches it, and it's probably a first down. And so, yeah. it, again, I think I think what's been really enlightening about this exercise, and, and why I'm glad we're doing this play by play, is you see all of the layers that have to go wrong to get to nine sacks. You have to right. see play calls that are well covered uh, because perhaps they're a little predictable uh, based. And again, this is within the context. I mean, not within the context of this game, but like 
diagnosing what happened in this game. It doesn't mean sure. everybody sucks at their jobs forever. It's also but, it's also easy to go back and say this is a bad play call. Like maybe in totally. the week you feel like it's good. Like and I yeah, totally they might have seen that. something. It's like man, they sucked with mesh against Detroit. We're gonna kill them with mesh. And Philly's like, hey, they really like mesh. Let's be on top of it this week. Yeah. And Philly went out and executed. But what you're seeing is if Carson's a half step better, and like these are the margins in the league. If Carson's right. a little better here, then you get you get a first down to McKissick. You get you know this thing here, that thing there. You get a play call that that Philly isn't sitting on. Maybe you get uh, some receivers that are open quicker. If your O line plays better, then you're not having to be on time right now with every single throw, or you give up a sack. The stakes are not quite as high. Maybe Carson does have a chance to to extend and make something happen. But all those things come together, and you get a nine-sack game. That's how you get a nine-sack game. It's never going to be one thing on a nine-sack game. It's all of the things and the conglomerate of them all. Yeah, and I think on this one, too, you see a little bit of that criticism of Carson, you know, of, of holding the ball too long. Because, like, against, like, good, like, really good and really aware quarterbacks, like, they step up hard here. They kind of dip that. You see that drill where they dip the shoulder, step mm-hmm. up, and then, like, he is still, like, after he takes his first hitch, he's still kind of waiting. He's still kind of waiting on the dagger to open up. And I think really good players, like, when you watch Tom Brady, for example, he knows, like, early in the down, like, no, this isn't going to be good. Let's get the ball to the back, right? And I think that's something that just anticipating – like check the dagger. Obviously, that's the primary read. But once you're there, check the ball down. Check the ball down. Get step up in the pocket and check the ball down. I think that's something that I would kind of say here could be a little bit better from Carson, right? Anticipating the pressure, anticipating based on even the pre-snap stuff, like the coverage they're running, and they disguise it a little bit. That's fine. It looks like man early, but they bail out just like some version of like match three or something like that, um, match lurk something. And, um, and again, they play it really well. So I got to know that, Hey, I was wrong. I didn't see it right. Pre-snap dip, get the ball out as quick as I can here and, and anticipate that rush, right? Frankly, because it's third and whatever, third and 10. So yeah, that's what Carson also has a bit of a long motion. So he sometimes does. I feel like it takes, it takes a while for the ball to get out. All right, let's run through these last three real quick. I feel like we've landed on some good stuff. Sack seven, uh, second and 12 with the Philadelphia 16, nine fifty one remaining in the fourth. Uh, this is one where Graham just gets Cosme. I don't know that there's that much more to it than that. What but series is maybe. it, Craig? Uh, this is uh, it's the first series of the fourth quarter, I believe. Okay. So uh, it's when they're down in the red zone uh, at the Philadelphia 16. Uh, Cosme, you got three receivers out left, or two receivers, and Logan Thomas, I believe, is the guy in the slot. Uh, Terry split out. I think that's Terry to the right. Watching film is very fun because it's all like, oh, it's a guy who's shaped about the same as all the other guys in the same jersey. Uh, and then then you got a back in the backfield, a uh, simple five-man protection, and a four-man rush gets home again. Yeah, and again, this is just a... Or, sorry, this, this is actually... A... They actually did bring five here. This is the this is the one. Yeah. But it, but it really... It has nothing to do with it. It is, it is Cosme on Graham on the outside. Yeah, and I think again, great rush by great rush by uh, Brandon Graham here, and a, a guy who just seemed to have had Cosme's number, right? Like when you watch Cosme pass that here, right? He is starting to lunge to kind of meet the bull because the, of Brandon's angle here, and then Brandon does a great job of saying nope and just capturing the outside hand and then ripping through, which is not an overly complicated move, but it's set up by his first move and good pass rusher stack moves and good tackles know how to kind of counteract what they've seen already and um, kind of stack their own kind of 
contingencies for different rushes. And you can just tell like Brandon's much more experienced than Cosme here. He sets him up and Cosme knee, Cosme's knees probably bugging him a little bit. And it's a clean win. Like that's about a clean win as you're going to get in the NFL from a defensive end against a starting right tackle in the NFL. And again, like the, kudos to them. They came out and rushed the passer really, really well. And um, they're trying to hit a double move here on the outside to um, Jahan. And I think that's the right call. They Again, they like this kind of play call. In the tight red, this is the same play that he caught a touchdown on against Jacksonville over um, Campbell, and it's the same call. And, again, you see Bradbury kind of sitting on the double move, not buying that, and the rush gets home for a sack. So, Yeah, uh, sack number eight is the fourth and 22. Uh, they they don't have time to get the receivers down the field. I don't know if there's that much more right. to it than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's 8.55 remaining in the fourth. And then the final sack is second and 10 uh, from the Washington 38 with 428 remaining in the game. This one, this one's a little bit interesting to look at because, uh, again, they bring a little bit of pressure. Um, and how the O-line handles it uh, is, well, frankly, not not well. Yeah, um, you know, like this is, there, this is a kind of a fun little deal here. Uh, and this is something like when you watch a lot of pass rush, you see, and it's, and again, it's, it's the, the football nerd in me gets a little smile on my face. So basically they're running like a pick stunt here with the linebacker, right? So you see 57, how he's attacking Norwell's inside shoulder. So pre-snap Norwell, Wes, and even Trey Turner kind of know, like there's not a lot of opportunity for line games here because of the alignment you get. I think that's Hargrave and a really, or whoever that is, number 95 and a really wide three technique. He's probably not coming back inside. If anything, I'm Trey Turner. I'm thinking there's probably going to be a ET or some relationship between the tackle and the end here in terms of pass game rush. And so I like this. I like this by Philly bringing the linebacker on a blitz to pick, right? But they do it so late and Norwell jumps Davis, which is a smart move because Davis is a bull rusher all day. You want to jump that. But because they're on different levels, the center and Norwell, there's a huge gap to the center's left. And so they can't technically pass this off. So because of how they run this and because of how uh, Washington sets this from a pass protection standpoint, it basically makes it makes it impossible to pass off. You get a free runner and Jordan Davis on the quarterback. Carson steps up out of the sack, but there's too much trash around him and ends up being uh, ends up being a sack, obviously. But again, like I like this kind of philosophy. Good, good pass rush. Again, it's I don't know if it's designed to beat the slide, but it's understanding your personnel and it's understanding how guys are going to set Jordan Davis and putting people in a bind because of that. So that's all nine. Uh, most of the podcast, frankly, I don't know how much more we'll even do after this because um, that's that's a lot of talking about stuff. But let, if we try to summarize, like, and you try to take it forward, you try to say, "Oh God, uh, Michael Parsons is coming to town. Tank Lawrence is coming to town." How yeah. concerning is this versus specific to Philly, or like, how easy is this stuff to clean up? Uh, considering there are, like, on one on one hand. There are so many problems. On the other hand, it's like a lot of different stuff, and the chances that it's all that bad again is it seems pretty slim. Well, I think one thing we haven't talked about at all is that most of these are third and plus, right? Third and long, a lot of them, distance. yeah. And so, if, but it, what's if this, weird is sorry to cut you off just real quick. Like, what's weird is it's, you know third and plus. You're like, ah, they brought exotic pressure. It's like, no, they didn't. Yeah. But what I'd say is that like even as a pass rusher, like I coach pass rushers, and so what I say is if you get third and plus, like. I don't care what action, what set you're seeing, like rush the passer. And it gives guys confidence to like get off the ball, listen for the tells and the cadence, look for those positions along the offensive line that indicate pass. And I would say that 
when you're in those situations, like the D line is more effective. Like look at the Washington football team, for example, look at the commanders, look at how much more effective Montez Sweat is and Chase Young and Casey Tuhill and those guys are in those obvious passing situations. Like look at the end of game against Jacksonville and Montez looks like one of the most dominant pass rushers in the NFL because he knows it's pass, right? Right. So what I would say in my suggestion, this is like stupid idiot football, you know, like I hate this. This is like, you know, Monday morning quarterback, be more efficient on first and second down, find a way to increase your efficiency. And like, what does that look like? Is that more quick game? Is that more running? Is that more screens? Is that more draws? Is that more play pass? I don't know what that is. You got to kind of analyze what this team is good at and say like, these are the areas we're going to improve, but you cannot consistently be in third and long in this league and be successful at all. Like that's just, tenant number one of offense in the NFL. Like I remember talking to Kyle, we had Warren Sharp on here. He, he said the same thing. Like the best way to get, have a good, to be good on third down is to avoid third downs. Cause that's where you see everything. And I know they didn't bring a lot of exotic stuff here, Philadelphia, but they have good pass rushers. And if you know, it's a pass that as a pass rusher is 90% of the battle. Cause then you, you, you start pre-gaming and thinking and dissecting what rush and how I'm going to beat this guy and you've known what rushes you've run already, and you've had a lot of sick opportunities to rush the passer. Like, think about there's games where you watch Montez Sweat, and he has five legitimate pass rushing opportunities in the game. They've had nine on third and plus in this game. Like, are you kidding me? That's bad. You know what I mean? That's bad ball. And again, there's a lot of things that lead to that, but that would be my biggest thing against the the Cowboys. Do find ways to say a third and 10 that's not taking negative plays early. That's being more efficient, all those things. Right. Uh, it's getting plays where Michael Parsons playing middle linebacker, not outside linebacker. Right. Like yeah, that's in some ways it's as simple as that. All right. When we get back quick look at the defense and then we're out of here on taking that. Wrapping up here on Take Command, I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. And the bugaboo defensively, after we spent 40 minutes on the offensive bugaboo uh, of the week in terms of the nine sacks that were given up, the defensive bugaboo this year has been the explosive plays. And it's kind of been Ron's thing that he's been harping on all year. Uh, Let's create them on offense. Let's not let them up on defense. And we know, uh, as we've been talking about it a ton uh, since Warren Sharp was on, how important they are to, to point creation in the NFL and Logan, I, when I looked at it this week, I, it, it was really interesting because a lot of times the explosive plays come on a coverage bust, and maybe that's a really good concept. Like you kind of scheme it up really well. Players were in position this week, and I think at the end of the day, the way I saw it at the very least was kind of their guys were better, and uh, they had guys that make plays, and the commanders didn't. And considering how this roster is built, I wish that was more surprising, but it's just kind of the reality of the situation, um, which sounds harsh, but is reality. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, when you look at it, I don't disagree with that. I think they're in pretty good spots on a lot of those. I mean, obviously, there's a couple, there's a bust on the tight end. There's the two pass interferences on Wild Goose or whatever. Those plays are bad plays, right? But I do think like a lot of Fuller stuff, like he's in a good position and his hands are even kind of on the football and then the guy just comes down with the ball. And I think that that is, you know, like that's what happens when, like when you get an, uh, a collection and assembly of guys who are good players, especially at the receiver position in today's NFL, like look at the great offenses right now. Like they have two, three legitimate guys who give you problems. Right. And both of those guys are very high draft picks, very well paid. 
And that's why, because they elevate a guy like Jalen Hurts, because I think a lot of those throws are not perfect throws, but those guys make them right. And um, and that's, again, one of the benefits of having absolute studs on the outside. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, when you talk about a stud who can erase that kind of stuff, right? Like a Jalen Ramsey, what he can do, because you're, you're a little scared to throw against him. Uh, and, and I think also a safety over the top. Like Bobby McCain's a fine football player, but the deep ball at the end of the first half to – uh, Jalen Hurts, or from Jalen Hurts to Devontae Smith, like better safety picks that. At the very least, there's a there's a big collision. And it's an incompletion, gets a hand on it, but that ball's in the air forever over McCain's head, and he kind of winds up coming in behind Fuller and Smith, like he's gonna breadbasket it. And it's like, hey, hey, man, we need you to go high point that. We need you to go make a play. Um, obviously, Fuller, you wish would go up and and make the play. And and I think Ron was pretty frustrated. Uh, on that end when he was talking to the, the media on Monday and, and Sunday night about this, where he's like, we had guys there. Like, we just need them to make plays. And uh, I, I'm curious, like, what the conversation, like, if you're in that locker room as a defensive player this week, what the conversation is amongst yourselves to go like, guys, we've got to finish. Like, we've got to make the plays. Um, as opposed to last week where it's like, hey, can we get, can we be, can we be even in the run game and like the play calling and all that kind of stuff? Eventually, it does come down to, to guys making plays, and I also just don't know in the back seven of this defense how many playmakers you feel like you really have. Yeah, and um, it's a tough question, man. And I think one of the things is there's it's really challenging. It's e- I think it's kind of easy, relatively easy, to find good wide receivers, like solid wide receivers. I think that's there's the, with the proliferation of college offenses, I think that's going to be way more common is just having studs outside. I think one of the things that sticks out to me is it's hard to find good DBs, right? So when you do find a guy like Benjamin St. Juice who played really well and has some upside, like that's a little bit of like a gold mine, right? That's a, that's a big find right there. And I think it's hard for team, like any team you look at, tell me they got two good corners. And I think in most instances, you're probably lying about the second corner. And I think Kendall, Benjamin, William Jackson are good players, but are they elite players at the position? No. And I think no. that's somewhat a reflection of why it's hard to find corners, but it's also a reflection of the NFL in 2022. Like linebacker is a tough position to fill because playing linebacker sucks in the NFL, right? Playing corner is much the same, right? You got a lot of different looks, a lot of different guys. All the um, the rulings and, and the calls are geared towards offensive production. So you're in a tough spot. And so, and maybe this is me just kind of being overly optimistic, but I say that's, for them to go out and do what they did and get tight coverage and, and be in those situations, like that's good. And I understand Ron's frustration frustration about needing to make plays, but I'm like, man, like that's about as good as you could have done by by those guys, you know. And I think it's unrealistic or it's coach speak for me to be like, they gotta they gotta break all those up. And you would like Fuller to break up a couple of those, maybe one of those, like the one in the end zone or the one uh, to Devin Smith, like right at the one yard line that Bobby McCain overruns. And again, you mentioned Bobby McCain, like just. Again, like I don't play safety. It's a tremendously difficult athletic position, but try to get a hit on that guy. You know, just try to get a body on right. him because you're you've you've covered the grass. You're there and you run by it. It's like just try to blow it, that. I think up. it also just shows the the lack of fear that Hurts had throwing deep. Like the amount of deep balls that they were like, let it fly. Yeah. They they were confident their playmakers were going to make plays over the commanders' playmakers, and that McCain and or curl and or forest over the top we're not going to be factors in those in the way that the best safeties in the game are um and it just shows that like 
when you don't have elite players, it changes the game. You can play a lot more to the script. You can do things as they're drawn up on paper as an offense because the defense is going to react as you imagine them on paper. And, you know, that doesn't mean they're bad football players. McCain's not a bad football player by any stretch of the imagination. Fuller, St. Juice, these guys aren't bad football players. I think Fuller did not play particularly well on on Sunday. Um, But I I think that, like, to me, that was a telling thing re-watching the game was just how often the ball was going downfield and the lack of fear that Hurts had in putting it up. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. I think... I do think another element is the rush, right? When you totally. push the ball that's down what the I was field, say next, yeah. Like those guys were kind of quiet, and again, that's one. That's one of maybe the best offensive line in the NFL in Philadelphia, and that's one thing it allows you to do. Like juxtapose that with the Commanders' offensive line, and kind of say to yourself, like, how different does that feel? It feels drastically different. Now, Hertz helps out with that because he's a good runner, and you have to you, you have to kind of be more conservative with your rush. But yeah, man, I think that's. Um, it's the rush. It's all those things. And again, I don't think it was bad, but the big plays are big plays and they lead to points. And um, that's a little bit of an issue for sure. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't help when you're tired. And because uh, of the way the offense played, we talked about on the instant reaction pod, uh, defense was pretty tired and uh, they uh, had every right to be because they were stuck out there for a long time. And I just also want to say like 24 points from Philadelphia and you can't like that, that is a winnable game defensively from mm-hmm. a score standpoint. So, like, that's, I think, another thing that's frustrating is, like, despite all the big plays, despite getting Moss, despite bad rushes, like, you with 24 points against that football team, that's a position to be to win. And you just didn't get it done because you your offensive efficiency was so poor. And I don't think I'm saying anything earth-shattering there, but, like, yeah. if, if you would have, again, if you would have told me on, I mean, when we did the pregame show, like, if you would have told me that they only scored 24 points, I'd be like, we're going to win this game because the offense is going to be able to put, put up 28. And they just couldn't do anything, and that's disappointing. Definitely. All right, uh, that's it for this week's pod. Uh, Something I want to get to on Friday's preview show. What do they do with St. Juice? He was so good outside, and he was so good outside last year uh, in the short stretch that he played big minutes. What do they do with him? Do they just kick him back inside? We'll discuss on Fridays. We preview things moving forward. Uh, We're also hoping to be joined by someone from our Dallas uh, podcast. So looking forward to that as well. Make sure you're subscribed anywhere you get your pods to make sure that you get each and every episode delivered right to you. The analysis you can only get right here on Take Command. Uh, We'll see you Sunday for Countdown to Kickoff. And until Friday's pod, hope you have a great week.